Hello, and welcome to A Culinary Observation. I'm your host, Marco Gutierrez. Well, hello, and welcome back to this podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. So this episode is going to be around more of the sports and entertainment industry than anything, because seeing how there are restaurants now open in most uh, states and bars and just out, mostly outdoor eating, it's definitely a resolution to where we need to go in this country. And, you know, it's not easy to speak about the pandemic because we're also probably more than likely tired about it and speaking about it and thinking about it. I mean, if you're stuck in your home right now, or you're fortunate enough to still have a job, but have to go through all the provisions, then you're probably sick and tired of this and just want some normality in your life. And I can't blame you. I do too. But thinking about my job, what it'll look like in the future, I really wanted to think further into what are the new health and safety measures that we're going to be taking. And will this apply through all restaurants? How is this new... um, way of life going to change the dynamic of, of dining. So to begin by looking at the sports and entertainment industry, looking at what's going on in the public with football, baseball, uh, obviously basketball is over and didn't have any, um, get any fans in their arenas. It was just players and coaches. But with uh, football, it looks like they were trying to get people in the stands, and I, I still have not looked in and seen if they actually do have people there. I know that their ownership are definitely there, and they've been getting the same service that we had before this whole pandemic started. So it's interesting to see that, like, yes, they're implementing the masks, and they're doing the um, social distancing, and especially in these like VIP rooms, they tend to be a lot bigger, so you do have the space to kind of spread out. The food, though, hasn't changed. Uh, there's still, like, catering style, you know, one utensil to grab grab at your uh, at your food, and it's interesting to see that they're not, like... I'm sure it gets changed out. Um, you know, I haven't seen it myself, but I'm assuming that they change it out every once in a while, and, you know, people are cleaning their hands constantly in there. I mean, they have, a, they have their own personal restroom. And I also assume that they're not uh, crowding, like, st- these suites with, like, a ton of people, and I'm sure they have their own place. It's a... The stadium's probably empty enough where everyone could kind of spread out. But looking at that and thinking about that previously before leaving from uh, the basketball arena, the conversation was starting to drift in that location. Okay, like if we're going to have, you know, out of 50,000 people, we're going to have ten to 11,000 people. How is that possible? How do we spread them out? Where do we put them? How many stands do we open? How do we then get the employees in there to, to produce the food? And... Just uh, looking back a little bit, when this all happened, when the pandemic started, I was fortunate enough to continue to work making box lunches for a Bank of America program out here in Oregon, and it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. We made about 400 meals a day, five days a week, and that went on from sometime late March, actually in May, from May to about October when the program finally finished. But that experience of having to, you know, do everything in individual containers and so many different boxes and things in a bag that are single item and also just a shortage of getting those things. It was kind of scary to see. 
that we were trying to accomplish the same um, quality of food in a ready-to-eat meal that you reheat when you get it the next day, unless it's like a cold item, obviously. But it was interesting at first to try to get down the system, especially leaving the arena and working at an indoor facility with other other cooks and chefs. We were just trying to play out the... Uh, the whole realm ourselves. Like we, we tried to make up the rules for ourselves because yes, they enforced a few things, but not really. It was very loosely enforced, and especially because most of us are managers that were working, so they trust in us to, as salaried managers, to do the right thing and and be a, a leader for the rest of the people that are there. Because there were a few hourly, but not too many, mostly just chefs. And that is kind of the thing that has happened throughout this country is. Every arena laid off all of their workers. Every arena and stadium had to get rid of management that was no longer necessary to do the job. So then you're just down to your core staff of people, whether it's the executive chef only or a uh, director of operations, an assistant director of operations. Um, Those people stayed, and they're the only ones that are in the arena doing things. And it's quite interesting to think that I'm sure around the country when basketball was still going, those media people that are, you know, doing their feeds from their home arenas and, you know, streaming it there at their, uh, in their state, in their city, they need to get fed too. So that you're left with just a core amount of people. Some people that mostly do front of the house office work are now having to get in the kitchen and cook and clean and do dishes and still go back and do their meetings and regular paperwork and plan for the future. So it's crazy to think that that's, that's the level we had to get to and to still be a part of that for a little while previously, it was very fun and very, I was felt so grateful and so fortunate for the opportunity to, to continue to work and to continue to have health insurance and have a good work-life balance and, you know, just get through this time. So Yes, looking at sports entertainment, I think the transition to get to having either a full arena or even a partial arena is close. But I think there's going to be a lot of stutters along the way, considering that if we do everything with cash again, then you know there's there's a spread point. Does every arena and stadium now go to you know cardless? And it seems like that has been. That was like a real discussion before anything happened this past year. Into the last year, you could see that Seattle Seahawks were implementing in their full arena, like just uh, you come in, you load up a card, and that's your money, and it's on a phone on your phone, I believe. So it's like card, everything's cardless, and you never have to use cash, and nobody accept, accepts cash. So that's pretty interesting, and that will probably be the new normal going forward. I'm not sure, but I. I could see that as a really strong possibility. It seems convenient. It seems fast. It seems the best route to go to keep people from <laughs> keeping in contact. But I mean, it's not so much what's on your hands, even though that's the best way to spread things. It's still people, you know, exhaling and in- inhaling uh, without a mask on. So definitely, I can see us moving forward with masks, no matter what. Um, and I understand there's people with medical conditions, but just personally. If that's what is expected of us, then I'm more than happy to meet that requirement. So to get a little bit nerdy about 
the way, and I do tend to get passionate about what I do and what I have done, but looking forward to the premium area in sports and arenas, sports and the entertainment arenas, um, it's going to be fun to develop new ways to serve people. And at my most current property, we had a, a location that was for uh, the suite level people where they can go in and have a meal and enjoy the basketball game, but like it's all buffet style and they have tables to sit down at like personally. So I can see that still working out really well. And it's going to be exciting that if I'm back to be able to do food that might be a little bit different instead of doing food that is set out on a buffet line, now starting to make smaller plates and smaller, smaller bites that people can just grab. And it's not a new concept. Um, State bird provision in California they do a similar thing where they roll around with carts and a price on the cart and it you just pick up your plate and that's that's what you want that's what you eat it's really cool and i like that idea for a room of about 24 people 48 people that sounds like the best way to go so they can just see what they're going to get and if they like it they can get it if they want more of it they can have another bite and same thing with like salads and stuff make more personalized not specifically to the guest but more you know just a single plate already ready to go and all you have to do is just add dressing and, and you can go sit down or it can be brought to you. So maybe we're looking at more table service, but with that now comes, okay, so how do we fit this into the budget? And when we get back to work with all this downtime that we've had and the company not making what we were doing before, how do we get the funding to make this all happen, you know, and like, are we going to be stuck with the budget that we had previously to make it happen? It's, there's just so many like dark questions to ask about it. And these are the realities of trying to be a chef in like a, in the sports entertainment industry is, you know, not too much of it is in your control and what you're handed and you need to make work just happens. And it's going to be exciting and it sounds scary as hell, but it definitely does sound also exciting to me. So living up here in Oregon, there are there are counties that do have restaurants open and available for uh, dining, whether it's outside or limited dining inside. And I have not made the trip out to go eat personally in dining. I'm still gonna just keep it in. If I'm I'm more than capable of creating my own meals, and I do support local restaurants when I can and order through a delivery service. But as far as the dining experience. I want to have a carefree dining experience like I used to have. Uh, there were so many times living in Los Angeles of just, you know, getting up out of the house and f- going to a restaurant super quick and just wanting to eat whatever it is or find find the atmosphere that you want and you can find it. And I don't want to be in an environment that I don't feel safe in. And it sucks because I want to go to these restaurants that are making amazing food out here and I want to enjoy it. And right now is actually probably the best time because there's limited people there. It's a more intimate experience. But with that, you know, like, is it really worth it at that point? And, you know, from what I can see from restaurants and what they're doing, it almost seems like business as usual. I'm sure more people are washing their hands. There's probably way more sanitizer available than there ever has been. And everybody's wearing masks unless you're eating. But even then, like, it's not like the kitchens are getting remodeled out there. There are still closed close quarters for all these chefs and cooks that are trying to make this happen. We didn't design 
any of these buildings to accommodate accommodate what's what's happening right now and it's not like that was foreseeable to see that these kitchens with like even shoddy uh, ventilation systems are still operating you know kudos to them man i i i don't know if i would be able to do that personally as it was when i was helping out during the pandemic uh, there was only like three of us in the room at a time and we had plenty of space to spread out because they would typically have, um, you know, multiple cooks and chefs working in there to feed thousands of people a day. So to be in a kitchen that big, like a convention center or something like in that, no, actually those are way bigger kitchens, but what we had was just big enough to be able to keep our distance from each other. And we would still practice social distancing, even with all the space and, you know, wearing masks. Uh, but as far as restaurant life goes, um, it doesn't look like they're, they're making such big changes. And it's unfortunate that there's no funding for that. And I know that's the cause of all of it is like, well, we're just trying to make lemonade out of lemon. So if this is all we have, then this is what we're going to work with. So I hope that we can get to a point in the next couple of months where we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Obviously, it's not going to be like ripping a Band-Aid off. So, But at least maybe the environment and just the way it feels outdoors will be a little bit more accommodating. So digging in a little deeper, there are these private health inspectors that companies hire. And usually they're a lot stricter on their properties that they're looking into than the county health inspectors are. And totally great to have. They're an awesome tool to go to. And unfortunately, there are a lot of things that they look at that are sometimes out of your control, whether you're working in old buildings and it's just unsafe working conditions. But, you know, budgets and the timing is all super important when it comes to most of these uh, buildings. So obviously everybody keeps a record, but there are some downfalls to having the uh, the private inspector comes through but there's some amazing things too with them being able to identify where you can be doing better and how to keep yourself educated and educate others is super important and sometimes it's interesting to see how the corporate structure uses those results to kind of make judgments and <laughs> and identify where they have are having problems and some of their stand their standards like their minimum threshold are, is a pretty high standard and it's amazing how high they are sometimes you can't have so many faults in one location and sometimes you know you can't keep eyes on everybody it usually comes down to habits it never really is something that is dire and if it is then my goodness shame on you for for letting that get get away but for the most part it usually comes down to habits and how people conduct themselves and that is one of the things that is going to be interesting looking forward that how these private health inspectors are going to start grading when it comes to mask wearing social distancing and just you know how many times you actually wash your hands you know it, it's going to come down to way more close personal habits and it's going to be interesting to see where that goes Okay, so to wrap it all up, uh, just kind of thinking about how we move forward and how we train and what timeline we're going to have to get all this accomplished. It's it's worrisome because it's going to come faster than, than we know, especially now. 
I think uh, now that we're getting past this year and moving into next year, hopefully we can get to a manageable uh, place where we can start to get back into, you know, larger arenas and enjoy a little bit more of life. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we get there and how long it'll take us to get there. But I think we could do it fairly quickly. And I think looking ahead, the ideas and the creativeness is going to really have to start to shine through when it comes to the way restaurants are presenting food to the way that, um, we were doing it in, in sports and entertainment, you know, I've seen in different locations around the, around the country, like in Miami, they have this awesome automated, um, it's like a sleeve to get your, get a glove on your hand. It actually has an air little, uh, tube that lifts the glove up just enough for you to slide your hand in and you get a disposable glove immediately without having to touch a thing. That's awesome goes without saying that we need to have everything now automated in in the uh, in the bathrooms and better ventilation everywhere for cooks and chefs alike and also just to keep people safe and healthy just you know start to structure their timing of how the food gets you know when it gets served how it gets served all of that has been a normal thing for us but even more so now those things are just as important instead of just how do we feed you we have to keep up that standard of how do we feed you and continue to do it as safely as we have and keep up those same standards? But there's definitely hope. I can def I could see it in Instagram when I see Sean Brock making food from his new restaurant. It's the experience. It's to try to recreate an experience that you were having. Obviously, it's not going to be the same like sitting at the restaurant and being amongst your friends and the ambiance of hearing the diner, the dining room. But I mean, they're trying to create some sort of reminiscent memory and at least feed you well and i i dig that and i've been seeing it more with like in chicago i believe it's the alenia group they're still doing you know to-go food um thomas keller is still doing to-go food and i'm sure plenty of chefs around the country are, are especially the fine dining ones are finding a way to get their food out there and to redesign what it is to to eat these meals Especially like if it's a reheat item or if it's just coming to you directly hot, you know, how, how do they manage that? How does the, the quality stay that high? And, and it's super interesting. I wish I could travel right now. It would be the perfect timing to be able to get out of here, go somewhere else and experience somebody else's food in the way that they're doing it. And it'd be interesting to post up in like a motel or something and just be near the restaurant and order the food and then jet out the next day. But even then, I'm pretty terrified of flying too being inside of a small capsule, especially flying across the country, maybe like three hours amongst a bunch of other people. I don't know. Still not ready for that. I guess that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if that sounds like I'm not giving it a chance to just try to have some normalcy in my life, but it's not a normal time. That's the way I see it. And just personally, that's, that's how I feel about it. I know we'll get there. I know we'll get back to, to having our social lives back and be able to go outside and enjoy. And I'm, I'm holding it in and, and waiting for that moment to like really burst out and let it go. And most likely for the next, the next time that we can get out and just safely be out there, hopefully this time next year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be out there. I'm going to be trying as much food as possible and drinking as many beers at different breweries as I can. There's just so much to, to discover. I've only been in Oregon for about a year and I missed out because I was working so much. But And also, I was just tired. When do I want to go out and enjoy food when 
I'm cooking it all day. But, you know, at least I got to enjoy time with my, my coworkers and friends and have awesome dinners and awesome drinks with them. Okay, well, that's it. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. And like I've been saying, uh, the guests are coming soon. Uh, I'm starting to get consent forms out, so it's pretty awesome to like build up this this podcast. And I hope you're enjoying what's being said. I know the last one was a little bit more personal, and I'm hoping to get a lot more of those stories out there. But there's just so many people that I've worked with that it would be awesome to share those stories with them. And not only just like the things that I've personally done, but the people that I've worked with, we have, I want to hear their point of view of of how the story went instead of me just giving the story straight up. At least we'll both have our say and we can, we can uh, speak up, speak aloud what, what we actually felt. So I'm looking forward to that. And I hope everybody out there staying safe and just be well and take care of yourself. Thank you for checking in. Bye-bye.